Welcome to Hub & Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub & Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription-based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everyone. Welcome to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. It's Thursday, September 9th. I'm Chris Lenton. Today, we're lucky to have Eduardo Prudhomme on the podcast. Eduardo really needs no introduction. He's one of the experts on natural gas in Mexico, and he writes a regular column for us at NGI. Thanks, Eduardo, for being here. Thank you for the invitation, and it's a pleasure to me to to talk with you in this podcast and interact with, with your listeners. And I'm very happy to be here. This is great. You're actually the first repeat guest. So that's a, <laughs> a minor milestone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Eduardo, I wanted to, to ask you about the, the NGI survey, we, which we just did. I know you've read through it. You commented on it in your latest column. As, as you know, it was the fifth time we surveyed the market, and, and this time we, we received responses from 30 different buyers and sellers in the Mexico market, which I think was a, a very good number and the highest number we've had so far. And so, so for me, one of the biggest finds of the survey was just this sort of general push towards industry users wanting an index, a price index in, in Monterrey. That was the, the, the area that, that sort of won the most amount of votes. And then also in Tuxpan, which is on the receiving end of the, of the marine pipeline, which has now become this year the main import option of U.S. gas in New Mexico that gets gas all the way down into, into the southeast. Give me, give me your comments on, on sort of what you think about that. I'll say that I have strong feelings about Monterrey because um, my, when I was the former operator in, in Senagasso, it was our intention to have um, the development of a header in, in that area that uh, eventually would become the first hub in, in Mexico. And I see the, a lot of reasons for, for that um, happening because, well, we have different pipelines in, in the same area, not only the Senagas or just a single pipeline, interconnection. It is, we have Kinder Morgan there, we have Nueva Era, the pipeline operated uh, by um, Grupo Clisa and Howard. And obviously we have uh, the Senagas the pipelines and we are very near to two distribution companies run by Natrugi and the other one by CMG, that is Compañía Mexicana de Gas. And we all know that Monterrey is the, the main um, consumption area in the country with a long tradition of, of being um, natural gas users. So in my opinion, Monterrey is the ideal of, to be the first place to have a, a hub and, a, have a, and develop an index. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure is there, the liquidity there is there, the supply options are there. Yeah, there are a lot of supply and you can change from one system to the other. That makes sense to have a, an index because you're, you're going to have a tr- transactions that will land in different uh, destinations, in different pipelines coming from different origins. So it's, um, yeah, it's like a, distrib- a route distribution and it's good for more liquidity. I think the main aspect of, um, of, of the things that I'm saying is also that Senagas is the main open access or the real open access pipeline in, in Mexico. We all know that uh, 
rest of the pipelines, most of them are linked to the sponsorship or, or, or to, to CFE. So we will have a lot of market participants in Monterrey. On the other hand, yeah, I, I agree with you that I have also commented that the, the marine pipeline has recently become the, the, the main importing point in, in Mexico. However, we also know that the firm capacity in, in that pipeline is entitled to, to CFE. Even when we see some other shippers moving gas in that route, well, we know that they are moving with a, a interruptible service. So I, I think it could make difficult to have um, a good liquidity in that interconnection because um, basically the, the main volumes are going to be traded with some relationship with, the, with CFE contracts. But again, it's something that can be in the future once that we we see a, a change in the tide of uh, and, and now the market in, 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 if the market recovers is the main goal in the energy policy. Well, Tuxpan could be a really really interesting point because it's closer to the, to central Mexico than Monterrey, obviously, and is the main gate to deliver gas in, in the south of the country and also in, in, in central Mexico. And then, of course, you also have the, uh, the mixture of the domestic production as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's also interesting. But, but again, I think at, at this moment, with the current conditions, Monterey could be, should be the, the first uh, hub to, to develop an index, a Mexican index. Yeah. You said something very interesting in your column last week. You said, you know, the interest of the Mexico gas system users that we see within our survey is, aren't necessarily aligned with what the government wants. And then you have Senegas, which has not necessarily met its obligations as under, the, you know, uh, the hydrocarbons law. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, of course. The balance of, of my view is, is this one. On the good side of, of the equation, things that we have an entity like Senegas that broke the vertical integration of Bemex is the reason why we now have have um, this kind of service. We have um, a lot of uh, new activities related to the market development, like NG, NGI and other specialized publications related to report market conditions and pricing discovery. So I think it's good that we have now different shippers inside the pipelines, something that... Um, a few years ago, it was impossible. We only had Pemex as the main commercial company, the, the single one in that area. And CFE didn't have any commercial activities with uh, third parties. So, I mean, you only, if you were a Mexican user, a Mexican consumer, you had to rely in the first-hand sales mechanism that was uh, regulated and it was uh, executed by, by Pemex in, in those years. Now we have more transactions, we have more shippers, and obviously more companies dedicated to deliver gas in, in Mexico. And that's it's feasible, that's possible, because um, we have Senagas. However, the next steps was that we have an open season in 2017. It was that Senagas also be the the, the main promoter of the secondary market of capacity. 
We know that all the, the MDQs, the maximum daily quantities of all the contracts, well, they don't necessarily match with the daily volumes. So some days you have a, a remaining capacity that can be resale to another shipper interested in moving gas according to the seasonal patterns or other commercial decisions. And sometimes you you have a gap between the volumes that you are selling to your final customers, the way they are consuming gas, and probably you are short in the firm capacity that you have in your contracts with, with Senagas. So these uh, differentials are the, the route for having more transactions in a secondary market. And could be useful, obviously, for even for the case of, of, the, of the, some of the problems that CFE has said that they, they, they are managing today, that they are very long in capacity that they inherit from the previous administration. Yeah, they call it the, the problem of natural gas, or at least that's, that's the government, government's line. And, and yet, you know, what we hear from the private sector and people who are taking the survey is they need capacity. The pipelines are there, and this would solve CFE's issue. It seems, it seems so logical, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, it's, I mean, the next step is, well, obviously we have a, a kind of primary cheaper in the primary capacity market. Well, there was an original allocation that was the result of the open season or of the tenders of CFE. Okay, that's that's okay. I mean, that's the first step to make uh, financial of these projects. However, I mean, once that you have these pipelines developed and they are now operating, I mean, the most efficient scenario for everybody, for the market as a whole, is that um, the capacity to have transactions to reallocate that capacity in short or long long terms. So for me, it's uh, the, the, the most efficient way to reduce the financial obligations of CFE on one side, to really meet the consumer's needs in some supplies that are simply not as are reliable as we will love to, to have. And obviously, in my um, daily activities as a consultant here in Mexico, I'm, I'm aware that a lot of uh, commercial companies would love to extend their services and have a, a better coverage of the, in, the, in, the, in some areas that are not well developed in a maturity for having more, more volumes delivered. But it's, it's because the certainty in acquiring capacity. I mean, you go with Senagas and Senagas simply say, I have no capacity. All the capacity is entitled to shippers. You go to the private pipelines and obviously they don't want to, to I mean, they design the pipelines to accomplish the TFE's requirements. So I, I, I don't see any spare capacity from a contractual point of view. But from operational point of view, we have plenty of capacity. Yeah, so it's an issue of uh, no flexibility, basically. No flexibility, and as I mentioned, no certainty for new supply contracts. So it's, it's, a, it's a constraint that can be solved very easily having a secondary market. Yeah. Do you see something like that happening now that we're, we're in, the, in the second half of the AMLO administration? Well, with the AMLO, I mean, it's the law. I mean, it's not, uh, it's mandatory. This government, AMLO's government, simply don't have in their scope of activities to really, to take steps uh, into uh, developing this market. Probably 
they're not aware of, of this uh, mechanism to reallocate resources that will represent savings for them and a source of revenue <laughs> at some point, and obviously uh, a way to promote economic growth, something that must be one of the, of the main um, concerns of this government, given the pandemic um, situation that we are living in, and obviously the, the stagnation be- before that pandemic situation. So I think it's, it's a win-win situation that is just a question of to grab some, we, we need to grab some rules to discuss uh, with the industry and with, uh, with CRE. They have already, the, this platform, when I was working in Senegas, we had developed a quorum system. Well, they have, uh, they, this, this, this system has a segment that can be very easily turned on to allow the, the shippers make transactions online. So it's very easy. It's, it's, it's going to take, uh, it could take weeks or, or a couple of months to really have the first steps. It's just a political decision and operational decision. It sounds like the logical solution that would take care of the main issues in, in the gas market right now, and it would obviously facilitate the creation of indexes, which is something that we've heard very strongly the market wants. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end, one of the uh, my concerns during these three years is that we I don't see a commitment with the transparency coming from the government. Yeah, we have the electronic bulletin board run by Senagas. I monitor also their pipelines. I realize that some of the private pipelines are not uh, really uh, complying with the open season, uh, with the open access uh, rules. And that's part of the of the job of, of, of the CRE to enforce this obligation that all the pipelines uh, since are federal regulated. It's, I mean, the, the regulation is is similar to the federal regulation existing uh, in, in U.S. I mean, all the all the market participants, the public in general, should be able to see how much uh, gas is being moved in the different segments. We need to know how much volume is being confirmed daily, the available capacity, and we need to have that information in a very in opportunistic way. I mean, if you report that information a week after the transaction is almost useless. It's not helpful. So we need to have this information daily, and we are not seeing this phenomenon in, in Mexico. And it's part of the lack of commitment of the government to really enforce the open the, the open access. And part of the explanation is because they don't like the open access. At the end, in the energy networks, particularly in the electricity grid, Part of the of the clash that we have uh, uh, been seeing during these years between the government and the private entities is that CFE doesn't want to allow open access in the in the power grid. So it's the same in the rest of the uh, liquid fuels. Pemex is, is running a lot of pipelines to deliver diesel, uh, fuel oil, and, and gasolines. And Pemex is reluctant to to allow other other participants to have access to the pipelines. So it's it's, it's a concept that this government is not uh, really willing to accomplish. So that's why I, one of my concerns is this lack of, of information. So the remaining way to obtain 
information to make it useful, useful for the private participants and the public in general is to rely in, in service like, like the NGI service, uh, serving. So it's important that we promote this culture of transparency to convince all the, all the stakeholders that it's good for everybody to reveal certain level of information. Maybe you have certain interests, particularly in, in a pipeline, and probably you think that it's good to keep the information for your own purposes. But then it will create a very reduced and narrow-minded market. I think that the, the, in the long term, we need to appreciate that uh, transparency is an asset for everybody. And this asset belongs to the participants, but it's also an, an asset that will prevail even when we have um, a shock like that we had in, in February. One way of really assure that we have uh, energy security and efficiency is that everybody has the same information, a, a very good volume of information all the time. So we will be able to take the best decisions at any moment. So we need to promote this culture of, of, of transparency. But exactly. And I think that is exactly our initiative at, at NGI. And as you mentioned, in February, we had that very tumultuous situation where 40 million Mexicans lost access to electricity as a result of something that happened in Texas. Right now, we're seeing soaring natural gas prices around the world. And without that transparency, it's very difficult to make decisions given the level of uncertainty. So that's our initiative at NGI. That's what we try to do with our regular surveys, with your columns. And I really appreciate your your input as always, Eduardo. Let's, let's, let's leave it there. Thank you again for your time. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Yeah, well, my, my pleasure, and, and, and obviously for me, is, is, is my relationship with NGI is uh, really, really appreciated because, well, you give me the opportunity to express my ideas, and my intention is to contribute to really develop a market in Mexico. At the end, I have been involved in, in developing the natural gas market for my entire professional life. Since deregulation in the, in the 90s, right? Yeah, I, well, I started working for the regulatory body 20 years ago, and I was involved in, in the pricing. In those years, obviously, I, I tried to get a, a, the most information possible about North American markets. And obviously, hmm. publication like yours is a, a, a tremendous source to learn about how the markets work. So it was a fantastic input uh, to me when I was related with regulatory activities. When I work as an operator in Senegas, well, it's, um, again, I mean, reading the stories related to operational conditions, what's going on in the different hubs, what's going on in the communication between different market centers, the developing of new markets like the LNG, obviously gives you uh, an idea of what you will expect in the near future about the balanced conditions in in Mexico. We also need to develop uh, common knowledge in all the professionals in the Mexican energy sector. My conclusion of my last story is um, that we're also learning that not all the the roads end in Pemex. 
we now have learned that we can have deals without Pemex in the middle of, of any segment. That uh, is good for everybody to have different offerings in the in the marketplace. So it's it's also a question of of educating the public that all all other worlds are possible. I think one of the of the strengths of the of the of the government is that in the Mexican culture we think that Pemex is almost the root of the, our national identity, and it's not. It's just simply another company. It obtains revenue that is good for the country. That's great. However, for getting your your um, energy source, you need to have options. And a way to learn that is to read specialized publications to um, get an insight of, of our most important source of energy that now is the U.S. and, and Texas in particular. And sometimes in, in Mexico, we don't have this um, kind of publications. I mean, our... I need to say some of, uh, of the analysis that you read in the in the national publications is very very shallow, or not with the all the information of the orientation of, of the of the comments are biased and, or, or the scope or the perspective is very very narrow. So I think it's great to for me uh, to to express my ideas with with you with NGI, and I would love to have another conversation with you anytime. Ah, that's interesting. Well, th- thank you, Eduardo, for all those kind words. I really uh, appreciate it, and I look forward to speaking to you very soon. Understanding the energy, regulatory, and political landscape is imperative to achieving success in the Mexican natural gas market. A daily information service that is trusted by active market participants on both sides of the border, NGI's Mexico Gas Price Index provides on-the-ground and independent news and insight as well as market-informed natural gas pricing and flow data. Visit natgasintel.com backslash Mexico dash GPI to find out more about NGI's Mexico services and how they can better inform your strategy today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the Resources tab to find the podcast page.